0: I'm gonna preach a message today called Where Your Treasure Is. And this is based off of a teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus says something countercultural in Matthew chapter six. Again, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to the masses of people and he's been talking about a whole bunch of different things. But here is what he says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus says, Treasures on earth. So in our culture, this is profoundly countercultural. Like our purpose in our economic system, in our cultural values is to get stuff. That's the purpose. (laughs) It's a sad purpose. And hey, you need stuff. You know what I mean? Like you need your basic needs to be met. That's very, very important. Hallelujah for that. But Jesus here is making a point. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because those things are vulnerable. Thieves can break in, moths and vermin destroy. But he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He isn't saying to not store up treasures. He's saying, make sure that you have the right priorities in your treasure stores. Make sure you go after the highest, most valuable things that you can grab hold of. And he's saying that's not the treasures of this earth, but those are the treasures in heaven that we can grab hold of that are more valuable and more secure than the treasures of this world. So, what's the context here? Again, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been talking about people's acts of righteousness, the followers of God, and their giving, their praying, and their fasting. And he's been making the point that you can give in order to have other people see you and think you're so awesome. And then you've received your reward in full. Your reward is that you got to be a pompous pain in the butt who thinks they're awesome. (laughs) That's your reward. If you pray to make a big thing in front of people, then your reward is you got to make a big thing in front of people. God is not going to hear you. He's not gonna answer your prayer your reward is that you got to be a big pretender in front of a bunch of people. And the same thing with fasting. When you're going into a deeper place of seeking God, you know, not just a regular everyday prayer life, but you go on a prayer retreat. You go on a fasting and prayer retreat. You're wanting to hear from God. If you're doing it to impress people, well, then that's your reward. All you get is that you get to think you're impressing people, but guess what? People aren't fooled and then you get nothing from God. So he's saying, you know, don't run after all of that stuff, but instead store up treasures in heaven, what that means is that instead of of doing all these things to be noticed by people. You do the right things behind the scenes and then God will reward you in various ways. God will be there for you. You'll be storing up treasures in heaven by doing the right things behind the scenes when people don't see it, when it's just between you and God, when nobody's ever gonna notice. If you do the right things at those times, that's when your father in heaven will see you and you'll be storing up treasures in heaven. Now, I want to clarify something quick. It's not so much about what you have, but about what you do in secret. You know, it isn't that, uh uh-oh, you've got too much in your bank account. Now God doesn't like you anymore. That's not this at all. What this is talking about is don't go after the worldly, go after the things of God. Now, you can serve God fully, And have money. You just don't want to be serving money. (laughs) You know what I mean? You make money an idol. You make money your purpose. You make material possessions your reason to be, and you've lost connection with God because the things of God are more valuable than that. And so, if that's going to be our highest value, our highest end, then we've missed everything. But guess what? You can have resources and be using those for the kingdom of God. You just need to be serving, worshiping, giving your life to God. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, in order to really kind of push that home. Paul, writing to young Timothy, says, "...command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God." who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So he's talking about rich people being generous and willing to share, and that helps them have treasures in heaven. But Paul doesn't say, like we'll read in another passage here in a little bit, that the rich people need to sell everything they have, give everything away and go follow Jesus. That it wasn't the time for that. The context wasn't right for these people. It was, don't be arrogant and help some people out. Be thankful. God gives you these things for your enjoyment. Enjoy them. Be thankful. Don't be arrogant realize you know, you've know, you had some things work out in a nice way. Hallelujah. Don't be arrogant, but also be willing to share. Be generous and willing to share and to be rich in good deeds. So that's how you lay up treasures in heaven, even if you have resources. Hallelujah. You don't have to get rid of all of those resources as we see here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but you want to serve God, serve the Lord have that idea of treasures in heaven, storing things up to your account before God, that's where you want to be rather than focusing on worldly things as the first goal. So today's focus is the treasures of serving God. Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. You know, Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we not need to make sure our hearts are in the right place. We value the right things. Then we're going to go after the right things. If we only go after worldly things, then we can tell we have a worldly heart. But if we go after spiritual things, if we go after the things of God, then we can tell we have a spiritual heart. And so let's go after the things that are truly valuable. So today we talk about the treasures of serving God. I got a few questions for you. First question, very important question. Is Jesus worth giving your life to? Giving your life to serve, to obey, to follow Jesus. Is that worth it? It's an important question. Is Jesus worth giving your life to? Very, very important question. Now, most people, if they have any sense, would rather go to heaven than go to hell, right? Most people... Again, if you understand what those words mean, you would rather go to heaven than go to hell. But that's not my question. My question is, is Jesus worth giving your life to? Is Jesus worth serving in this life? Is a life of serving Jesus and doing the right thing worth it? That's the question. The short answer, of course, is yes. Of course, Jesus is worth giving your life to. Serving God in this life, sacrificing for the things of God in this life is worth it. But then why do so many struggle with truly surrendering their life to Christ? Why do so many people feel like they need to hold back from God? Why do so many people feel hesitant? If it's worth it and we know it's worth it, then we should jump in. But it's not complicated. If it's worth following Christ, giving your life to Christ in this world, we should jump in and be excited about it. So then why do people hesitate? I think it's because the treasures of serving God are out of focus. You know, we can get caught up in temporary things and that's all we see. The treasures of serving God can get out of focus. So that's what I wanna talk about, where your treasure is, the treasures of serving God. What are they? What can we expect from God? Is it worth serving Jesus in this life or is it too much of a hassle and we want to just try to get forgiven at the end? Is it worth living your life for Christ now? The answer is yes, but then why are people hesitant? Let's dig in a little bit. The Bible talks about treasures, rewards, and the inheritance of the followers of God, quite a bit. It's actually in there quite a bit, talking about treasures. We just read Jesus talking about treasures in heaven. Paul gave the same basic idea when he's talking about how rich people should act. Treasures, rewards, the inheritance that the followers of Christ have. We are co-heirs with Christ. If the Bible talks about the rewards, the treasures, and the inheritance that we have as followers of the Lord, then it must be okay to talk about. Right? It must be not a selfish sin to talk about the rewards we get for following Christ, the treasures that we have, the inheritance that we have. It must not be a sin. Now, I'm 50% Norwegian and... 25% Swedish, I got a little German, a little extra bonus stuff from the continent, but there's a concept that I learned about some years ago and that's Janteloven, the, the law of Janta. You can look that up if you're Scandinavian and you're just like resistant to the idea of say receiving a compliment. If that makes you all freaked out, if thinking, yeah, you know what? That was a pretty good day. If that, it may, oh, I shouldn't say that. If, if that messes you up a little bit, look up Yanteloven, the law of Yanta, J-A-N-T-E. And that might help you because you need to get free from that. It's, it's a difficult one. It's got a deep, deep roots, but you can fight through that. And then you can just talk about the rewards. You can talk about the treasures. You can talk about the inheritance. You can talk about the good things and not feel a little funny about talking about good things. So it must be okay if it's in the Bible, talking about treasures in heaven, talking about the rewards we get, talking about our inheritance in Christ, it must be okay. And I see three major types of treasures and rewards that come to those who give their lives to serve Jesus, who say, yes, Lord, I'm in, I'm going, I'm not holding back, I'm gonna serve you. I see three types of treasures for people who are willing to do that. From 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're gonna look at the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is talking about his service to the church in Corinth, and he talks about a reward. This one is an interesting one. I'm not starting with the most obvious. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 9, we're gonna read 13 through 18, and then let's talk about the first type of treasures or rewards that we can receive by fully serving Christ. Verse 13, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rites, And I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. So Paul makes it very clear. If you're preaching, you should get paid for preaching. You should get your living from the gospel. So hallelujah for that. That's a wonderful, wonderful news. (laughs) If you're a preacher and if you're somebody who thinks preachers shouldn't get paid, then you should read this section of the Bible again. But Paul here, on the contrary, says, hey, now I'm not asking anything of you. I have the right to ask of you because the people who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel, but I'm not expecting anything from you. And he's then talking about a reward. What is this? reward that he's talking about. You know, verse 17, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. So like if he's being forced to do it, he's just honoring what he's being expected to do. But if his heart is in it, then he gets a reward. What is that reward? I had to read this a few times to really catch it. What is my reward? Verse 18, just this that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. He's like, my reward is being able to preach for free. If we look at this from a selfish perspective, it doesn't really make sense. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that his reward is knowing that financial need is not going to hinder the advancement of the gospel. That it doesn't matter if the church in Corinth is going to give them money or not. They're getting the gospel of Jesus Christ. His reward is knowing that finances aren't going to stop the spread of the gospel as far as he's concerned, because he is going to go if he gets paid or not. He's going to go whatever it takes. He's going to go forward and he has the satisfaction of knowing that people are going to receive the gospel. People are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, whether or not the money is there. So his reward is the satisfaction in knowing that he's making a difference for other people and not requiring anything of them in return. That he can go forward and preach the gospel unhindered because he cares about other people more than he cares about getting his financial needs met. His reward is preaching the gospel for free. Now, sometimes he did receive support he wasn't like saying that it's immoral for preachers to get paid. He did get support from time to time. And he clearly said, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So he's putting himself in a special case. He's saying, but you know, I'm not expecting anything from you because my reward is being able to preach without expecting anything. That you can just have it because Paul feels the blessing of letting the gospel go for free. He wants anyone to have the gospel. He doesn't want financial hindrance to be there. He wants to help other people. So let me ask you this. Have you ever done something that really made a difference? You know, that really accomplished something, that really, man, helped somebody out? How did that feel? That's the reward that Paul is talking about. The gospel needs to go out people need to know there's a a God in heaven that loves them, that there's forgiveness and redemption, that there's new life, that people aren't stuck where they're at, but they can be overcomers. They can be born again. They can step into the place of being a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, and they can live a life of purpose and they can have everlasting life. And Paul is like, I'm gonna give that to people. I'm gonna help them see that. And his reward is knowing that people can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ Unhindered by financial need. That's a blessing for him. That's a reward for him. It's worth giving your life to Jesus just to make a difference for others, just to know. That you're part of the solution and not part of the problem. Just to know that you're part of bringing people into a reconciled relationship with God, into having a view of who they are as a child of God, not an accident, not just some, you know, cosmic mistake, not somehow broken and flawed with no hope, but brought into an understanding of who they are in Christ, forgiven, redeemed, brought into the family, and the reward of knowing that you're making a difference eternally is so valuable. That's a treasure to know that you're part of that. So it's worth giving your life to Jesus to make a difference for others. That's a treasure. That's what Paul was talking about here with his reward. His treasure is making a difference for others. No longer a selfish taker, but now a humble giver. So that's treasure reward number one, the reward of helping others. Then we'll stick with the apostle Paul. Uh, 2nd Timothy chapter 4. We were in 1st Timothy earlier. 2nd Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Great section of scripture here. And here Paul is coming to the end of his life. He's getting to that place where he's looking back and he's looking forward, not to things that he's going to do on this earth, but he's looking to what it's going to be like to be in the presence of the Father. So let's look at this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul is spurring on Timothy, you know, like, come on, you can do it. You know, there's opposition on the outside, but he's also talking about, you know, the, the believers are going to start getting weird and believing dumb stuff. You got to stay strong. You got to carry the truth with you. And then he says, because you know what? I'm, I'm pretty much done. Paul's at the end of his life. He's, he says he's being poured out like a drink offering. The time for his departure is near says you know I fought the fight he's telling Timothy you got to carry it you're next you got to you got to carry this cuz i'm going to go and then he starts thinking about what it's like to be gone and he says there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award me on that day so he's looking forward to that crown so what is he talking about well this crown this reward speaks of i think two things acknowledgment and eternal life that Well done, good and faithful servant is something that those who serve God in this life can look forward to an acknowledgement of the things done in secret, the treasures in heaven laid up, an acknowledgement, a crown, but also not just that acknowledgement, but everlasting life with Christ, everlasting life with God. This is worth it. You might think things won't be acknowledged, But the Bible talks about books that are being written. Those are the recordings of the things that we're doing right now. And that stuff will be acknowledged and there is eternal life. So this is the obvious reward for the follower of Christ. You know, that's the going to heaven part. It also involves an acknowledgement of what we've done in this life an acknowledgement. Well done, good and faithful servant. You had the, the five, you turned it into 10. You had the two, you turned it into four. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come share in your master's happiness. This is the crown. This is the joy that we look forward to, that acknowledgement, but also an entering into everlasting life, free from death in the paradise of God. That's an incredible, incredible blessing. And that's worth it for sure. But you do have to be a little bit forward thinking, you know, because that might seem like a long ways off and like it doesn't come into your focus. You got to be a little bit forward thinking. That the day will come where you stand before God and give an account for your life and you want to be anticipating the crown. What an incredible place of peace to be at where you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm getting a crown. Rather than, oh, I hope that goes okay. Paul was secure and strong, looking forward to that crown, the acknowledgement of what he'd done and his receiving into eternal life. My personality type, the 16 personalities, I'm an extreme N, I-N-F-P is my little numbers if you care about stuff like that. I'm extreme on the N, which means I'm very forward thinking. It's all about principles and how they affect the future. That's just the way I think, very forward thinking. And so for me, this realization that the day is gonna come when I'm gonna stand before the Lord is is something that I'm aware of every day. Like I, I'm thinking about that. It's something that, you know, like what is this gonna mean in the future? What are the implications of what's happening now on the future, both in this world and you know, and in meeting with God? You know, I, I'm a conscious of that and uh I feel that it's important for everyone to at least think of that from time to time. Even if you don't have the same personality type, you know, if you're very much in the moment and you, you don't think about the future, you know, it's still very important to think about what those things might be. Are you saving for retirement? You know, do you have a good relationship with God. you like, these are important things to think about. Even if you're an in the moment, present tense, just the facts kind of a person, I'm a basic principles, you know, a dynamics and how they affect the future kind of a thinker. But even if you're a a present tense, just the facts, here we are kind of a person, think about the future. Think about the blessing of everlasting life and the acknowledgement of what you've done. Think about that. So it's worth it. Serving Jesus is worth it because of our eternal reward. Then I want to go to Mark chapter 10. This is a story that has been talked about quite a bit. It's the story of the, we used to call it the rich young ruler Here, the caption in the new NIV says, the rich and the kingdom of God. But this rich young man, there's a very promising young man. And of course, we're always looking, you know, where's that next hero gonna come from? Who's gonna be the next great quarterback in the NFL? Or, you know, who's gonna be the next great preacher coming up? You know, like we're looking for that person of promise in the future. And this individual looked like that. And here's the interaction between that individual and Jesus and his disciples. We're gonna read all the way through to verse 31. along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Obviously, when we're talking about the rich young ruler, we're talking about prioritizing things. This rich young ruler, this rich young man, who was following all the commandments, he ran up to Jesus and knelt at his feet, he was a good guy. And when Jesus said, all right, sell all your stuff and come and follow me, he's inviting him to be one of his disciples. He's inviting him into the inner circle, you know, and the guy left keeping his stuff. Is his stuff worth anything right now? No, it's worth nothing. How much is your stuff going to be worth 2,000 years from now? Yeah, it's not going to matter. He chose his temporary stuff, even though it was a lot, over the eternal connection with Jesus. He gave up his relationship with Christ. stuff. Of course, that's terrible prioritization. It's very easy to get caught up in that, of course, because here we are, you know, we need stuff. And then you can get focused on that. But it's all about prioritizing. Very, very important. But that's not exactly the part I want to talk about. Then Peter asks the question. Thank you, Peter. You know, Peter is willing to speak up. Sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, but sometimes he really helps us out. Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Peter's like, well, you know, we gave up everything. We just see this guy who decided not to give up everything. We did, what about us? And so then Jesus responds, 29 and 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So we've already talked about the treasure of helping others. We've talked about the treasure of our eternal reward. Here, Jesus talks about a treasure in this life. They won't fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. That's amazing. Now, there's too much to talk about in one sermon. Financial, family, society, society purpose blessings. There's all these types of blessings that we receive in this life. I believe in, you know, financial blessings, again, not greed, but God showing up, you know, like with Peter and the miraculous catch of fish. This was a huge payday. It was a financial blessing. Uh, This happens all over, you know, the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, the coin in the fish's mouth, you know, all these different provision blessings, financial type blessings, you know, those things are part of, walking with God in this life. There's family blessings. You know, you might lose some relationships when you come to Christ because people are gonna misunderstand you. They might hate you because of, you know, all that stuff, but you're gonna pick up new relationships that are deeper and more powerful and more in number if you participate in the kingdom of God in church and in, in relationship with other people. There's blessings in society as... The, the person who used to steal so they could buy meth instead now works and gives to the homeless shelter. You know, like it, it changes society. And then just living a life of purpose, that whole first one, the reward of helping others. These are incredible blessings that we can grab hold of. But I just want to focus on this one little thing. And that's this. Today, right now, God has your back if you serve him. In this life, God has your back. He has your back both now and forevermore. We talked about our eternal reward. Hallelujah for that. People seem to know that, but God has your back now too. Now, when I first came to know God, I sort of, I don't know, automatically felt secure in my relationship with God. It was something that he spoke to my heart. I don't know. I just knew he had my back. I knew I had nothing to worry about. I knew that, I guess this life doesn't matter that much. You know, I have eternal life. I have something far greater than anything this world could possibly give. And so I felt no sense of vulnerability. I felt no sense of insecurity. I knew God had my back. You know, even if I got thrown into the flames by, you know, the furnace by Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, like didn't really matter to me. I'm like, well, God's got me. That's fantastic. And I want... I want you to know that God has your back when you serve him. Now, of course, if you're rebelling against God, if you're refusing God, God does not have your back. You know, then you're on your own. But when you've given your life fully to Christ, you're walking in his ways. You have the blessing of purpose, the treasure of helping other people out, making a difference. You have the treasure of eternal life in the future. And you have the treasure of knowing God's got your back in this life. You won't fail to receive 100 times as much in this present age. You might have to give some things up, but you're going to get things better. You're going to get more. I've seen that in my life. Again, there's a lot to talk about. But What I want for you is I want you to feel the satisfaction of helping others, being a blessing to other people, the treasure of being a blessing, to go after that treasure. I want you to feel the security of knowing that God has your back, not just go to heaven, but now he's with you. He's going to help you. You might have some sacrifices. You might have some opposition, but God's with you. He's going to return good things to you in this life. It's worth serving God in this life. It is worth giving your life fully to Jesus. So don't hold back. Don't wonder. I don't know if it's worth it. It's worth it now. It's worth it forever. It's worth it for who you get to be, the purpose you get to have. It's worth it. It's worth serving God in this life. The treasures of being a blessing to others, the treasure of knowing that God has your back now and forever are worth it. There's really two options. Like with the uh, rich young man, you can go away sad or you can come into the family of God. Those are your two options. Don't go away sad. We're going to close with Colossians, which is you know one of the great prayers in the book of Colossians, chapter one, verses nine through 14. Here, Paul is, he's praying over the church in Colossae and he's not met these people. He didn't plant this church. He just heard about it and he's writing them a letter and he's encouraging them. And this is, and he's been praying for them. And so this is his prayer for them. And I, I wanted to sink in and then we're just going to close in prayer. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and bringing us into your family. Help us to live a life worthy of the calling you have for us. Help us to see the treasures that are in front of us, the treasure of being a blessing to others, helping other people, being part of overcoming the darkness with light, overcoming evil with good. Help us to see that purpose and the blessing that's there. Lord, thank you that you have our back when we serve you. Help us to trust in you and live this life knowing that you are with us. But let us not pretend when we're not following you, pretend that somehow you're obligated to help us. Lord, help us to know that it takes us giving up this life like the rich young man was unwilling to do and turning to you and following you. Because if we give up this, you give us something better, something better in the spirit realm, something better in eternity, but something better now too. So Lord, help us to see that serving you fully is worth it and help us to walk in your ways, not foolish, not believing all kinds of goofy things that our itching ears want to go to, but trusting in you, being humble and gentle and filled with your truth. Bless us with this. In Jesus' name, amen.